Welcome, this is Allie Moon. I'm your host. You are listening to Lyrical Audio Candy Tour, also known as Lyrical Act, A-C-T. This is where we discuss, explore, tour the beautiful world of books, poetry, and quotes that please every taste, I promise. (laughs) Let's go. Come on, let's go. Literary treats await. Hello everybody, this is Allie Moon. You are on my patio currently. While I sip on Dasani sparkling peach water. Yes, that's what I'm doing. It's Sunday. It is 5.11pm. And you probably can hear the birds. Maybe some children in the distance. Some crickets. Grasshoppers. The sounds of late summer alright this chapter from the Whippet book by Shauna Cross reading by Ellie Moon this chapter is entitled Au Revoir alright here we go the next morning when Oliver drops me off in front of the Gunderson's house I start to regret the sex part not really but I just feel so close to him Like I didn't even know it was possible to feel that close to another human being. And now I have to let him go for three long weeks. I don't want to say goodbye. I want to have more sex. I can tell Oliver feels the same way. By the way, we both refuse to officially say goodbye. We sit in his car for an eternity, avoiding those awful words. And then we stand by his car even longer. Still ignoring the reality of the situation. It's one of those early, cold mornings where the fall is flirting with turning into winter. It's cold, and I huddle against Oliver, shivering. The band is leaving Austin at 9 sharp, which Oliver says is Hank speak for 9.30. But he has to get back to Austin because he hasn't even packed yet. I can understand The boy's been a little distracted. And naturally, I have to be at school in 20 minutes. We stand there, eking out every last second with each other, trying not to say it. He just rubs my hair and I lean into his chest. There's a lot that I want to say. I want to say, I think all this emo stuff is retarded and girly girls mooning over boys always seem lame with the capital L. And I know I'm sarcastic and defensive and I make a joke out of everything and I'm highly resistant to anything that reeks of sentimental corniness. But I'm giving you my heart anyway because being with you feels like home and I know you won't break it. I want to tell him I love him. And mostly, I want to hear him say he loves me, because I can feel it. But maybe it's too soon for all that, so I finally whisper, Oliver, yeah? I want you to have something, I say, digging into my bag. I pull out my beloved striper t-shirt and hand it to him. No way, he says. This is the coolest thing that anyone's ever given me. 
Well, it's a guy shirt. You can rock it, I say. I'll guard it with my life, he says, squeezing me tight. After a moment, he steps back. Close your eyes. I do. I hear fidgeting and feel something cover my shoulders, and then I hear the zipper. Open them, he says. I look down and I realize I'm wrapped in his hoodie, his stampede high score hoodie. I'll guard it with my life, I say. Finally, we agree not to say goodbye. So as Oliver's car pulls away, I shout, Hello! Howdy! He shouts back, (laughs) disappearing down the street. I have never hated the idea of three weeks more in my entire life. And this ends the chapter. Au revoir. Alright, this chapter is called Feel Sorry for Me. Again, I'm on my patio. It is 5.17pm on a Sunday. Oh, what day is it? I did a cast this morning. I should know what, what day it is. I think it's the 19th today. Yeah, August 19th. All right. My kitty is on the patio table, just hanging out, laying there, yawning, enjoying everything, wagging her tail, licking herself. She's grooming. That is a good thing. When cats groom, they're happy with themselves. When people groom themselves, they're happy with themselves as well. It's a good sign of self-esteem. All right, I digress. This chapter is called Feel Sorry for Me. This is from the Whippet book by Shauna Cross, read by Ellie Moon. Heading into school after my momentous weekend feels like three giant life steps backward. I've suddenly grown past this town, this quaint little high school thing. I wrap Oliver's hoodie around me for consolation. I look up and see Pash cramped out, camped out in my locker. Even from a distance, I can tell she's pissed. I don't know what for, but I'm sure I'm going to find out. Hey, Pash, I start. Don't hey, Pash me, she says, cutting me off. What? What did I do? You left me at the derby bout, you idiot. I had to go to the party all by myself, and when I got there, they wouldn't let me in because too many people were already in there. They were worried about another fire marshal bust. Pash, I didn't even know, I say. I sat outside for an hour waiting for you until I gave up and drove home. I'm sorry, I texted you. Why didn't you text me back? You texted me? She says, unconvinced. Well, I didn't get it. Just tell me you have our damn collage. Collage? I say, what collage? The collage for our economics project? She says, over-enunciating every word as though English were my second language. Pash, calm down, I say. I have two days to finish. She stops and looks at me. No, you don't. It's due third period as in today. No, it isn't. It's due Wednesday, I argue as if saying it out loud will make it so. The only thing it makes is Pash more pissed off. She spins back to me and lets lets it rip, talking a thousand miles a minute. Bliss, 
I did the whole report myself, and all you had to do was the stupid rinky-dink collage. Easy A for both of us, and you can't even do that. You know, not everyone has a roller derby rock star boyfriend life to fall back on. If I can't make valedictorian at this joke of a school, I won't get a scholarship, which means I can't probably kiss... I can probably kiss being a surgeon goodbye. I'm not just a grade whore, you know. I'm trying to get out of this crappy town just like you. Pash, I say, feeling like a piece of mud on the bottom of a shoe. She waves me off with a dismissive flick of her wrist. Whatever. Thanks for never hanging out with me anymore. Thanks for standing up at the party. Thanks for standing me up at the party. Thanks for using me as a decoy so you can spend the night with your stupid boyfriend. Oh, but most of all, thanks for ruining my GPA. You're an awesome friend, Bliss. She says with brutal sarcasm, don't ever talk to me again. Before I can respond to the conversational grenade, Pash turns and disappears into the hallway crowd and I feel like I'm going to puke. In third period, I plead with Mr. Smiley to punish me, not Pash, for the lack of collage action happening in our project. Yoda Man is not having it. I can feel Pash glaring at me from her seat in the back of the class. When I try to catch her eye, she defiantly turns her gaze in another direction. I lost my best friend. And the truth is, Pash is right. What kind of total lame flakes on an easy A when Pash is doing the heavy lifting? I suck. For the rest of the week, I tried desperately to lure Pash into friendship, back into the friendship fold, but she won't take the bait. I can't catch her at her locker, no matter how much I stake out. Stake it out every time she sees me coming, she promptly turns and goes the other way. And during lunch, she disappears. Is she eating in some dark corner of the library, I wonder? By Thursday, I start leaving hilarious notes in her locker, genius observations about the suckiness of Bodine High, the kind of stuff she adores. But every one is boomeranged back into my locker with return to sender, angrily scribbled in Pasha's handwriting. It hurts. I remember the days when that writing was used for me, not against me. I know, I know. I fucked up. You don't have to rub it in. And this ends the chapter. If my fingers would work. I can't turn the page. Feel sorry for me. (laughs) All right. I promised you a little bit of a sort of a marathon. Didn't use those words, but I promised I'd be back this weekend. And, uh... Here I am. I'm here for you. All right. It is 5.24 p.m. Sunday, August 19th, 2018. And I'm reading Whippet by Shauna Cross. This chapter is entitled, This is How I Roll. This is How I Roll. In the light of the great Pash, Amini, Bliss, Kavanagh, best friend breakup of 2007, and Oliver Turing, I'm back to ride in the bingo shuttle to get to Austin. Not that I mind. It's cool to hang with Helen again. We blue-haired gals gotta stay together, especially in times of crisis. I even keep my iPod tucked in my backpack. 
and hold Helen's ball of yarn as she knits and tells me all about her life. She complains about her arthritic hands. But I'm telling you, Helen works those needles like a rock star, and I know from experience. I made that fatal error of attempting to knit a scarf last Christmas. What started out as a hopeful ball of yarn came out looking like a disfigured potholder that had been run over by a car a hundred times, and I don't even have arthritis. Along the way, I secretly wonder if my being super nice to Helen will earn me some karma cred toward the getting Pash back. Like somewhere in the universe, the people that control these things are watching and thinking. We can't keep Bliss from her best friend for too long. She obviously is a good person. Her footwork maybe all wrong, but her heart's in the right place. Maybe I'm grasping at straws. I just miss Pash, and it's a little scary to know 101 apologies mean zip, nada, nothing. This ends the chapter. <laughs> this is how I roll. That was a short one. On to the next one. Continuing on, reading by Ellie Moon. It's the Whippet book by Shauna Cross. This chapter is entitled... Who even thought of calendars? Anyway. At derby practice, Razor and the team captains announce a change in the season schedule. To the fire marshal snafu. Due to the fire's... Fuck. <laughs> Fuckity fuck. Fuckity fuck. Fuckity fuck. Fuckity fuck. A book by Shauna Cross called Whip It. Continuing on, this chapter is entitled, Who Even Thought of Calendars Anyway? At derby practice, Razor and the team captains announce a change in the schedule. Due to the fire marshal snafu, it has been decided that the unfinished game between the Hurl Scouts and the Holy Rollers will be replayed this Saturday. That means the remaining games are all pushed back a week including our league championships, which will now take place November 17th instead of November 10th. Now, I don't really keep track of my life by calendars. I'm too busy going with the flow to be ruled by a bunch of little organized boxes with numbers on a piece of paper. That's Brooks' territory. I try to stay far away from it. In hindsight, perhaps that's not the wisest choice. I get home from the derby practice star for nourishment and I go to the kitchen where my mom asks how my study group was. Awesome, I say, making a beeline for the fridge. I open it and reach the gallon of milk, which turns out to be nearly empty. A little gift from the heavens. It's one of those rare moments when I can brazenly drink right out of the jug without incurring my mother's wrath. I throw my head back, close my eyes, and enjoy every last drop. Ah. Then I open my eyes and find myself staring at the heavily detailed Cavender calendar of events covering the refrigerator door. Shania's name is all over that thing, with little pink glittery tiara stickers noting her various pageant comings and goings. I barely get a mention, save for the token Bliss Dentist, November 2nd. Then I clue in a little closer. 
There is one tiara marked in my honor, the day of the Miss Blue Bonnet pageant, which happens to be on da, 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 November 17th. Wait, November 17th? The Derby Championship game and the Miss Blue Bonnet pageant are on the same night? I have to tell you, this is the most wicked punchline I've ever heard in my life. In my English class, when we were studying Hamlet and Macbeth, Mrs. Weaver would go on and on about how all the great Shakespearean characters have one fatal flaw. The stubborn human error that is the source of their dramatic undoing. I never thought I had a fatal flaw until now. Clearly, my inability to remember dates has cost me my best friend and now this. So, I'm fucked. I am so fucked. I'm fucked with whipped cream, sprinkles, and a cherry on top. Welcome back. We are continuing on The Whipper Reading by Shauna Cross. I'm Ellie Moon. And this chapter is called Resistance is Futile. Would you say futile or would you say futile? I think futile sounds better, but that's me. All right. After much thinking, scheming, plotting, and planning, I decide the best way to deal with my impending doom is to just ignore it. Sort of faking my own suicide or getting abducted by aliens, which might be fun if you know the aliens. Let them know I'm up for a field trip. There's no way out of the Miss Bluebonnet trap, so I might as well enjoy all the derby action I can get in the meantime. No matter what happens at the championships after Saturday, everyone will know the Hurl Scouts have the Holy Rollers number. Throughout the week, I push myself harder in practice, knowing that the rematch might be my last chance to really prove myself and my team. At school, I spend my lunch period huddled in the library, going over my Oliver email, or rather, not going over my Oliver email. I send him stuff, but I don't hear back. Not that I really expect him to pull over at any all-night, all-internet cafes and send me hourly updates when he's in the middle of touring with the Benedicts. Um, hello. The real obstacle is me and my lack of cell phone. That puts our relationship at a serious texting handicap. Oliver might as well be dating an Amish girl. Still, it would be nice to check my inbox and see some love. All I get lately are ads from Urban Outfitters, which are only depressing because I'm so broke. Ooh, is Bliss being ghosted? Hmm. I don't even know if ghosted was a term back when this was written. This was written in, well, the copyright's 2007. It's now 2018. Was that a term back in 2007? Ghosted. Hmm. Have you ever been ghosted? Really fucking sucks. It really, it really sucks to be ghosted. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like maybe I want to ghost somebody. <laughs> maybe I want to be the ghoster. Not to be a bitch or anything, but just, you know, it's like... Okay, you ghost me, I'll ghost you, type of deal. 
I'm not talking about just a random person. I'm talking about if you dish it, why don't you take it? You know? You get what you give, baby. You get what you give. Let's move on. Welcome back, everybody. This is Allie Moon. I'm still on my patio. It is still Saturday. Oh, sorry. It's still Sunday, uh, August 19th. Yes, I'm still here. I'm on my patio laying. Well, I'm not laying. My cat's laying. I'm really fucking, fucking this up. This is a blooper. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That's fine. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Whip It by Shauna Cross. Reading by Ellie Moon. I'm on my patio still. It is Sunday. Sunday fun day. It is 538 August 19th. This chapter is called, Really? I'm fine, I swear. On Saturday, Birdman calls me in a panic and talks me into working the joint lunch shift. Normally I would say, no frickin' way, but I figure the busy work will give my nervous energy an outlet before the game. When I clock in at 10.30, I notice a familiar time clock next to mine. Pashes. This is the first time we have worked together in ages, although together is a relative term. We ignore each other the entire time. No funny Polaroid shenanigans, no sarcastic musical numbers, no synchronized eye rolls when customers annoy us. I'm telling you, best friend Siberia is one cold place. If you ever get sent there, I highly suggest bringing a parka. At one point, a couple of old ladies in full tourist regalia, fanny packs, comfort shoes (laughs) dare each other to order the squealer sandwich as if it's the most outrageous idea ever they giggle conspiratorially like the best friends like the best of friends okay I admit they're old uncool and burdened with that unfortunate wing flab grandma types get under their arms dear god please let that never happened to me. But Maybelle and Jolene are so freaking adorable. When they tell me all about how they've been best friends since they were 15 years old riding the same bus to Beeville High, I nearly run to the kitchen and cry my eyes out by the deep fryer. But I can't because Pash is working and I refuse to give her the satisfaction of seeing me weep at work. Birdman tries to ease the pain as I refill the napkin dispensers. Don't be fooled, he says. She really misses you. I nod. Thanks for trying, Birdman, but really, this problem is bigger than you and all your manager skills. At least, he lets me clock out 15 minutes early. I have just enough time to get home. Hose the stench of barbecue off my body and get back to the oink joint where Malice is so generously offering to pick me up. I felt embarrassed asking for a ride, but Malice wouldn't hear of it. Oh, Jesus, Brian, you you scared me. (laughs) I'm doing a reading. Okay. God, you scared the crap out of me. Like, my heart just jumped jumped out of my chest. A little known fact, um, there was a, a cricket... Yeah. You know, making that noise. Yeah. I said, nope, I'm done with you. So I, uh, took the back of a rake and just kind of poked it. Oh. Gross. All right. 
Okay. I'm gonna continue on, okay? okay. I'm gonna right. back up. Alright then. Okay, where was I? <laughs> Okay, I felt embarrassed asking for a ride, but Malice wouldn't hear of it. Oh, shut up, she says. Of course I'll come and pick your stranded ass up. If we don't have Babe Ruthless, we don't have a team. It's nice to know one person who doesn't hate me. However, once I get home, I discover a little hitch in my evening plans. I walk into my bedroom and make the most shocking discovery of my life. My room is clean. The bed is made. And you can even see the floor. Something is definitely up. A little background on the whole room cleaning agenda. Three years ago, when I was 13, my mom and I went to war over the state of cleanliness in my room before Earl was forced to negotiate a complicated ceasefire. We agreed that as long as I didn't leave clutter around my room or around the house or hoard any crumb-laden dinner plates under my bed. My room was my space. All mine. This truce has kept things cordial, more or less, for nearly three years. I even let things slide when my mom entered my sacred space with that ugly pink suit last month. Clearly, my politeness in this situation only empowered her to enroach, encroach on my privacy even further, which is never a good thing, ever. And today... The skate hit the fan. You give me fever when you kiss me. Fever when you hold me tight. Fever in the morning. Fever all through the night. All right. We're on a whip it, whip it, whip it, whip it good. Shun across, this is Allie Moon. I'm your narrator. Today and every day, all of the days that I've done it, I was your narrator. Anyway, this chapter is called The Poster Coaster. So, I'm feeling like the star of my very own Twilight Zone, standing in this pristine bedroom I don't recognize. This morning, I left my messy nest only to return to find a better homes and gardens fantasy. Not my fantasy, but my mom's. I look in my closet door and feel my face get hot. I run over, throw open the door, and there before me is a row of immaculately hung clothes. I fall to my knees and dig to the way, way back of my closet, my secret hiding space for my derby gear, my skates, my helmet. I move my hand around, but all I feel is carpet. Where are my skates? I ask myself out loud. Thinking, hoping, praying. Maybe, just maybe, I put them somewhere else. And then I feel it. Her presence. Like Bigfoot's shadow descending over a helpless little bug in the forest. I turn and see my mother standing over me, and she does not look happy. That makes two of us. I have your skates, she says. Oh, fuck. What did she just say? For a moment, I stare at her blankly, trying to figure out just how much she knows so I know how to respond. 
like I'm uh, like I'm 50% in trouble or the whole 100% and then I noticed the rolled up derby poster in her hand okay my life is over how long bliss she inquires calmly how long have you been sneaking off behind my back and doing this this roller derby thing and I immediately get defensive. I mean, of course, I know I'm going down, but I'm not going down with a, without a fight. And maybe, fight's the wrong word. Honestly, I want her to understand that roller derby is really important to me, not something I choose just to go piss her off. Mom, I know it looks really bad, I start, but I can explain it. Bliss, I can't trust anything you say right now. She declares, <laughs> turning and walking off, as if she's so betrayed that the mere idea of having a full conversation is too much for her. But I'm not done. I have a game to skate tonight, and my ride is picking me up in 30 minutes. I need my gear. I need my skates. I need to get the hell out of here. So I follow her into the living room, determined to negotiate the return of what is rightfully mine. Mom, we don't have to talk about this right now. Just give me my skates, I say, in the most mature, let's be adult about this voice. That's not happening, Bliss, she counters coldly. Give me my skates, I say slowly. My last attempt at peaceful persuasion. Brooke turns, looks me square in the eye and says, no. And that's when I start to crack. I paid for them. They're mine. I spit out, to which she replies, You're grounded until further notice, before shutting her bedroom door, which totally sends me over the edge. I'm suddenly thinking how, year after year, I sucked it up and submitted myself to her parade of pageant humiliation, and she can't even try to understand how I might need a little part of my life for myself. It's not a topic of discussion because Brooke doesn't care. And if and if Brooke doesn't care, then it doesn't exist. I don't exist. Well, too late, lady. You made me. I'm here. I exist. So deal. Forget keeping the peace. Forget staying out of trouble. Forget trying to delicately sway her into giving me my skates back. I walk up to her bedroom throw it open and practically scream you don't even know me and I swear to God it takes every last ounce of control to keep me following that sentence with with you fat bitch but I keep that part internal as I do not want to die immediately or regret being so harsh she looks at me and laughs she laughs Bless. you're only 16 you don't even know who you are. I know I'm not Miss Blue Bonnet, I say, throwing it back at her. I know that. I know that much. I'm shaking. I feel like I'm on the verge of either crying my eyes out or kicking someone's ass. I just don't know which. But I know, even in my rage, punching my mom is not really an option. My dad, hearing the commotion, comes running out from doing yard work outside. The minute... Poor Earl sees my mom and me dug and dug deep in our mother-daughter World War Three trenches. I can tell 
He'd rather be mowing the grass. Whatever's going on here, Earl wants nothing to do with it. But it's too late. Mom is determined to get an ally and some extra muscle on her side. She waves the poster at him like a betrayed woman in Spanish soap opera. This! This is what our daughter's been doing! Earl, probably still a little unsure what exactly it is my mom... Wait. (laughs) Earl, probably still a little unsure what exactly it is my mom is having a meltdown about, takes a moment to digest the contents of the poster. And this is what happens. A grin actually spreads across his face. A little flicker of joy. I will never forget till the day I die. And he says, Roller Derby's back? Well, hell, we used to watch that on late night TV. We'd get a case of Lone Star, go to Freddy Jasper's house, and have a Earl! Brooke shouts, rocketing off the bed. She's been doing it in secret behind our backs! Earl smiles immediately, drops as he steps in line behind Brooke, the Brooke regime. It makes me so sad that the tears I've been bravely fighting off start to sting my eyes and blur my vision. Please, I plead, like a prisoner begging to see the sun. Just listen, okay? For the first time, I don't feel like a total freak or something's wrong with me. You're you're not running around those... Wait, let me start over. You're not running around with those girls and their tattoos. It's not ladylike. Well, I guess we have different ideas about what is what it means to be a lady, I sigh. I know I lied, and I'm really sorry. You can ground me later, but just let me go now. Please. Dad. My dad looks at me. I know he wants to say yes. But Brooke throws him an Earl Cavendish. Don't you even think about it. Look, so he says. So he says, "You lied, kiddo. That dog ain't gonna hunt." So I play the one card I have left. I turn, run to my room, and slam the door. Actually, I slam it twice, just to really drive home the message: I hate you both. Such a teenager thing to do. Oh, that's funny. Well, people, I'm going to cut it off there. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you're wondering what's going to happen. But this little lady has to uh, do a few more things in her home. I've got homemade tomato soup cooling on the stove. Yeah, so I collected a bunch of tomatoes this this morning. Um, so basically how I make tomato soup is I take the tomato, I grind it up in the blender, throw a little bit of onion in there too, blend it up until it's completely smooth, and I put it in the, the saute, not saute pan, saucepan. I add a couple different things. I add sugar, onion powder, garlic powder, salt and pepper Uh, heavy cream or half and half whatever you have I even put a little butter in there and a little bit of oil I know these are all like strange like why is she putting all these variations of oils that's just what I do it just tastes really good 
And um, anyway, you stir that and you boil off some of the water. You basically boil it down to the consistency of what you like. And um, then when I'm going to serve it up, I add a little Parmesan cheese on top. If you're feeling a little sassy, you could put some jalapenos on there if you want to. Serve it with tortilla chips or saltine crackers. And you have yourself a nice meal. Homemade, fresh from the garden. That's the way I do it. Enjoy your Sunday night, and I will catch you on the next reading.